Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the Any Selkie Companies, whose big Labor Day sale kicks off this week, meaning you can get 20% off their entire site. So if you've been waiting to pull the trigger on some new furniture, a big rug, maybe some wallpaper, now is the time. The sale runs August 29th through September 5th, so check out AnnieSelkie.com YHL to start browsing. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing a sad twist in my pursuit for those diamond doors at the duplex. We also explore a new way to solve pink color paralysis, and we uncover why home improvement pros sometimes feel like they're avoiding you. We've got good news and bad news when it comes to those diamond doors, the duplex, you know, the ones that we have been trying to find and have driven hours to get. It's a roller coaster of emotions, you guys, because you know we're planning to put them on the back of the duplex. Historically speaking, we have to keep the original doors on the front. But as I keep telling everyone, the back is going to be lit. We are going to have string lights and a cute shed and these two little areas that are separated but can be combined. So if all one family rents it, they can be joined. And if different families rent it, they can be separated. And so although they're not going on the front, they are definitely going to be one of the cooler character riddled features of the house. And so obviously you guys remember that there was Amy, the wonderful door fairy, and she was driving to a soccer game with her daughter and threw it in the car. It was all very exciting for us. I think that was episode... 100. Oh, yeah, because we also called Amy and talked to her that episode. She was a hero that the whole internet needed. So go back and listen to episode 100. We'll link it in the show notes. That got us one door, but we needed two because, again, this is a duplex. And the other door, if you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen that I drove, I forget, was it seven hours round trip? It was a long day. Yeah, to North Carolina in the Raleigh area. So we had two doors. That's the backstory. But I said there was good news and bad news. I'm going to give the bad news first because I feel like that's the order these always should go in. Right. The bad news is that door we picked up in North Carolina won't work. Unsalvageable. And I said to Sean the contractor like five times, what do you mean unsalvageable? Because it was very solid. It came back in a car for hours with John. But the problem was that there were these metal plates on each sides of it, essentially holding the styles, which are the thick ends of the door, in place. And when they removed the hardware, it was clear that not only were the styles rotting, but those big metal plates were essentially holding the door together. Yeah, when we got the door from Rebecca in North Carolina, again, she was the person who generously gave it to us. She said, you know, it's in rough shape, but we were like, I'm sure we can figure it out. Well, Sean actually sent it out to a professional woodworker, and he's like, I don't think I can make this solid enough. And, you know, the thing with doors is that they open and close a lot. And if they just start to come apart even a little bit, it makes them really difficult to use because they might sag or they might swell. And a non-functioning door, especially on the back of this house, which is going to be probably one of the main ways that people go in and out because it will be near the outdoor shower, a non-functioning door would be really, really frustrating. And so Sean was like, I could make it work really badly, but you guys would be really unhappy with it. So Sherry and I were both disappointed. Sherry, especially, I think you were ready to throw up your hands because you were like, I've worked so hard on this whole pursuit of these doors. I just was like done with the door thing. Like we had gotten through the maze. We had come out on the other side and we were so excited. And then the idea of being like only 50% complete on something I thought was 100% complete was like disheartening to the point where I think out of frustration, I said to Sean, forget it. Let's just buy a new door. And he kind of gently pushed back and was like, I don't think you're going to be happy if you have one new door and one diamond door. And my argument back was like, hey, you'll never see these together. There's going to be a fence dividing them. So we don't have to worry about them matching. But he made the point that like 
certain places and vantage points like up high on someone's deck or looking at it from behind in a different house like out a window, you will see both of them. So like people renting won't see both of them, but the world might see both of them and it would look weird. Yeah, like Sean was very, I was going to say insistent, but politely insistent that he thought we should soldier on and try to find either another diamond door, our third diamond door, or scrap both of them and get two new matching doors, which Sherry was not excited about doing either. Yeah, it was like, I can't scrap the other one. Although I did entertain the thought, just so you guys can get in our brains when we do this, I try to be very flexible. It's what helps us work with Sean for two years and not kill each other. We all try to stay flexible. So when Sean was like, well, if you get two new doors, they'd match. I still think the diamond doors are really cool. Is there something else we can do with the other one? And so to stay flexible, I was like, yeah, I'd be happy if I could find a new spot for that. Like, if in the house there was a spot for that door, if it could be on a track somewhere, just like a cool accent that we used somewhere else. But he and I racked our brains and it's a 36 inch door, which is very wide. It's not typically an interior door size. And we literally did not have a place inside that it made sense to use it. So it felt like blowing up the whole thing instead of saving the 50% that still worked. And like Sean said, soldiering on and trying to make it 100% again so we could keep our original vision. And the good news- Yes, there there is good news. Because I know we led with the bad news, but the good news is that in Northern Virginia, we tracked one down and we got our hands on it. What was that, like three days ago? Yep. It was actually a Dutch door that was in Berryville, Virginia, which is about two and a half hours north of us. But the woman who had it, Kathy, her mom was visiting her and was driving back down to North Carolina past Richmond and she volunteered to put the Dutch door in the back of her car and meet me on an exit off of I-95 last week. So I went there, picked it up. Kathy's mom was so nice and gracious and I think probably a little bit confused as to what all this whole thing was that she was (laughs) carrying a door for. And actually today, one of Sean's crew members, Jason, who spends a lot of his weekends in the Richmond area, is in town and he's going to swing by and pick up the door and take it back to Cape Charles for us so we don't have to make a special trip there. Yeah, he just was passing through and Sean's like, I'll send my guy over. He can grab the door. He's driving a truck. We're like, awesome. So we've padded it all up. The doorbell might ring, in which case we have to stop recording, put the door in the truck, and then come back and finish the episode. But it's very exciting for us that it felt like we were behind and this was holding up the schedule. We still have not completed the siding around the back of the house because the doors have to be in to finish the siding around them. So we're really excited to get them hung, see them both in place, take pictures, share it with you. And we are literally going to write the people's names under the doors who help make this possible. So there's going to be an Amy door and there's going to be a Rebecca slash Kathy door because Rebecca was just as kind as Kathy. And between the two of them, we got a working door. Well, and I should address the fact that since it is a Dutch door that we got, we actually are thinking we are not going to use it as a Dutch door. We're going to fuse it into one door. You know, Dutch door, those ones that are like cut in half so you can just open the top half. I always think of them as Mr. Ed doors. They're like a door that a horse walks up to and stands in in like a domino magazine. Uh, Mr. Ed, thank you very much. Exactly, a Mr. Ed door. But I hear you guys, you're collectively groaning because I know it, right? We all know it. That's the Instagram picture. That's the beautiful photo. It's the top of the door swung open. You see the beautiful flowering trees in the background. Someone's serving lemonade out them. You know, it's perfect. Right, there's string lights glowing in the distance. But here's the real truth. There are mosquitoes and flies and all the other things, so a door without a screen does not make sense ever to be open in the warm weather in Cape Charles. 
It also would not match the other side if one was a Dutch door and one wasn't. And for security reasons and sort of environmentally sealing reasons, if we fuse the door and make it one door instead of a door that flips open, we don't have to worry about rot in that crease or some sort of breeze coming in and the weather stripping wearing off and all the things you worry about when there's two moving parts, there's just going to be one moving part. So it's the best choice for a rental, especially in this area, which is not in beautiful California, which has no bugs and perfect weather. It's in Virginia where there are, you know, more wet weather and also flies and mosquitoes and all that stuff. Yeah, I think a Dutch door is nice maybe in an interior situation, but for an exterior, especially in a rental where we're trying to eliminate maintenance issues, it just doesn't really make sense. So Sean has already suggested a way to use some maybe dowels and some wood glue to fuse it so it looks like one door and it needs to be painted anyway. So I think it will look great in the end. So thank you for continuing this saga with us. Yes, we think it's over, but you never know. (laughs) And I want to talk about this thing that a lot of you guys have mentioned to us and we've been seeing popping up around the internet. But in case anyone has missed it. There was a recent article talking about how the Warby Parker of paint has arrived. If you guys know Warby Parker, that's that internet eyeglasses brand where like you get samples sent to you in the mail. I have Warby Parker glasses, but now any like new startup that's like hip and cool is the Warby Parker of whatever. And so here we have the Warby Parker of paint finally. It's a brand called Claire, C-L-A-R-E, I'm going to be honest, the name is not perfect. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of these startups have really like clever names like Away does luggage and you get it like, oh, Away is luggage. So I don't really get the Claire paint connection. Like you think it would have been like Swatch or Bristle. I don't know. Bristle's cute. Yeah, it's just hard to remember because you're like, I know it's a name, but like for four or five minutes, I was convinced it was Ella. And then I was like, it's not Ella. Oh, it's Claire. You're just thinking of all of your friends' babies' names. (laughs) Anyways, the whole promise of Claire is that it will help anyone who's having trouble picking a paint color make a decision so part of the system is that it's a really curated set of colors that were picked by interior designers so there's only 55 colors to choose from so theoretically anything you pick should be a good color like imagine instead of going to the store and staring at a wall with literally thousands of paint swatches imagine a designer saying here are my 50 favorites and then you take a quiz this is another part of the service so you go on and you take a quiz about your sensibilities and what you like and what you don't like and it spits out some suggestions for you. Yeah, like I took the quiz myself just to test it out. I should mention this is not sponsored or anything. We just have been hearing a lot about it. We figured you guys would like to know. Yeah, it's an interesting new service and it definitely has a lot to do with DIY and paint. So of course we're going to cover it. (laughs) If it was sponsored, we probably wouldn't have bashed the name. Yeah. (laughs) Dang it. Claire's going to be mad at us. Maybe it'll get branded in our head and it will make sense. Like Casper. Why is Casper a mattress? But Casper's the name of my old cat. So like I'm down with that. (laughs) Anyways, um, I took the quiz and it is a smart quiz because it's it actually asks specific questions, not like, which is your favorite breakfast? And then interprets that into a paint color. It says like, what room are you working on? What size is it? What kind of light does it get? Even ask you what direction the light is. Like, is it a north facing room or a south facing room? And then it gets into things like how adventurous you are with color and you pick a few personality words to describe yourself. Uh, I not surprisingly just got suggested three whites. <laughs> Which if you look around our house, it's not that far off. We have a few rooms painted solid white and a lot of our rooms are sort of a light taupe or a light sand color. So it's not like it gave you purple. No, no, not at all. And actually one of the smartest things I thought about it is that they only sell the wall paint in one sheen. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. What is the sheen? Only eggshell. Huh, but what if you want to do trim and semi-gloss? They sell trim paint that is considered a subtle semi-gloss. Interesting. And they sell a 
flat white ceiling paint that is only white. Okay, you know what they did, you guys? They just eliminated all the second guessing that people go through. They have put their foot down and taken a stand. Like, if you want ceiling paint, it will be white and it will be flat. If you want trim paint, it will be this sheen. If you want any other paint, it's all going to be eggshell. Like, any point at which you could spin your wheels and not be able to make a decision, they have simplified it and basically made the decision for you. Yeah, and as much as we weren't sold on the name, the paint names are really good. Like, they're very hipster. This is where they get their street cred. For instance, like, there's Fresh Kicks. Ooh. No filter, avocado toast. Oh, they're so cute. I thought you'd like this one. There's one called Money Moves. <gasps> I'm painting something Money Moves. What color is it? It's kind of a light green. Mm. I don't think you would get it on your quiz. Oh, but it's such a good name. Yeah, there's also one called Shade. Oh my gosh, these are the best. Who named it Claire when they have such good naming capabilities for the paint? I need to talk to the manager. I don't know. I think Claire will probably grow on us over time after we say it a bit more. But I will put a link in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast to their website. It's just claire.com. I'm pretty impressed. They got C-L-A-R-E dot com. That's why they picked the name. Boom, we figured it out. It was available. It was the URL they could get. And then also the article that describes some of this from Fast Company. So you can read that too if you would like. I know you guys may have forgotten what that sound means. It means it's game time. We haven't played one in a long time, but I have one for Sherry this week. And it's about one of my favorite topics, which is smart devices. Oh, so you're going to know all the answers and I'm going to be screwed. <laughs> That's why I'm the quiz master and you're the quizzee. Okay, so you guys know I've been trying to like smartify our house a little bit. So I was intrigued by this article from Business Insider entitled 17 Ridiculous Smart Gadgets That Really Exist. So I'm going to give Sherry just a few of them. Some are real, some are fake. And she has to tell me what is a real smart gadget and what's not. I'm going to give you the generic name and what it does. Okay. First, a smart egg tray. Sherry's already rolling her eyes. I'm giving, you know that emoji face that's like flat mouth, flat eyes? That's my face right now if you need an egg tray to tell you when you're out of eggs. Yes, this tells you when you're running low on eggs or your eggs are going bad. Mm, I think it exists, but I'm horrified by it. It's real. It's (laughs) called the Quirky Egg Minder and you can get it for 14 bucks. I mean, I could see how it's handy because sometimes we do run out of eggs and sometimes they do go bad. But what world do we live in that we need to hire little robots to monitor all of our food? I mean, if you've got a spare $14, I don't see why not. (laughs) Next, a smart water bottle that glows to remind you to drink. I'm going to say that that is also real. It is real. It's called the Hydrate Spark water bottle, and it is $55. Wow, dang. Well, some people are serious about trying to drink water, and I've seen all sorts of methods like put five rubber bands on your hand, and every time you drink a liter of water, move one rubber band to the other arm. But just think of how many egg trays you could buy for that $55. (laughs) Uh, I don't need either of these technologies so far. Okay, next up, a smart toothbrush. And it doesn't do what I thought it might do. It actually allows you to watch a live feed of your teeth close up on your phone while you brush. No, that's fake. It's real. Well, sort of real, I should say. It's called the Omni Pro Fix. And last time I looked, it was being reevaluated on its Kickstarter. So currently people who had ordered it for $299 are being refunded. So it doesn't quite exist yet. It doesn't quite exist yet. The money's going back in the pockets. I think it's over for this one. I don't really know why I need to watch that type of video. I don't either. And that's why the money's coming back. Everyone's like, what did we just order? Well, I mean, clearly enough, people wanted this that they have to refund folks. I mean, what I've heard about toothbrushes is that there are a bunch that vibrate for like a certain amount of time to make sure you're brushing the right length. That makes sense. So I thought it was going to be that, but like a live feed of my mouth. No, thanks. No. Okay. A smart fork, which vibrates when you are eating too fast. Mm, 
This exists, but I hate it. It does exist. <laughs> How could you hate something called the Happy Fork? <laughs> I mean... And rings in at a mere $65. Do you have to eat all your meals with the same fork? Well, if you want to slow down and you're eating. Is it dishwasher safe? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I would have to research that part I would more. imagine it's not, which means you're hand washing your fork between every meal. I mean, if it's $65, you probably want to take good care of it. Yeah, for real. Okay, a smart umbrella. This umbrella has a unique feature that sends its last known location to your phone in case you lose it. This would be smart. As a former New Yorker, we are always breaking slash losing umbrellas because we don't have cars there. So you're just walking around holding them and leaving them at work and leaving them at home. Um, But I'm going to say you made it up. Fake. I did not make it up. It is an $80 umbrella called the Umbrella (laughs) with two O's. Oh, I thought it was going to be like Umbra with a U with an umlaut. Oh, no, no, that could work also. But I think, yeah, for $80, you want to have some way that it's not going to get lost. I mean, yeah. Lastly, a smart belt that vibrates when it senses you've been sitting too long. Guys, what does this say about the state of America? It's real. It is real. And I think wins the name category. It's called Belty Good Vibes. Belty sounds like a Christina Aguilera product, and it's like... Am I going to be editing this out, or is this staying in? I mean, my Shakira went over pretty well. Anyways, the Belty is about $400, so you must really want that reminder to not sit so long to order it, I think. Guys, want a hack? Set an alarm on your phone every 30 minutes that says stand up, right? Your phone will just set the alarm and it will do it and it's free. You could use that same alarm to remind yourself to drink water and then you wouldn't need that smart water bottle either. Saving yourself money all the time. Right. Well, I feel like there are products that they sell that are not electronically linked that do all these things too. Like there are big jugs of water that have lines on them that say like 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and you're basically supposed to like try to drink down the container. Yeah, it like gauges how much you drink the whole day. And I know people who just fill up like eight liter bottles of water and put them next to their desk and try to kill like four at work and then four at home. So you can do this without technology. You can also use your phone alarm or you could spend, I don't know, collectively maybe $1,000 and buy all these products. See, that sounds like the more fun thing to me. (laughs) And if anyone's keeping track, they may have noticed that there were no fakers in there because they were all so ridiculous and real. I just thought I shouldn't make any up to dilute the batch. So I will put a link in the show notes to the article where I found these from, as well as links to the products in case you really want to get them. Some of them I think are still like in Kickstarter phase, so I don't know if you can actually get them right now. But if you want to investigate, there you go. Okay, and since our episode 104, which is where we talked to Sean the Contractor and kind of explained what you might be doing that's annoying contractors everywhere, we've gotten a few follow-up questions. So we're going to try and answer both of them right now for you guys. The first one is actually a listener question, so we're just going to play it. Hi, this is Alicia from Tyler, Texas. I have a question regarding negotiating. My husband and I are first-time homebuyers, and we had a guy come by to repair our fence, which was kind of more than we were able to do ourselves. And he just kind of seemed to eyeball it. He was like, yeah, I'll do it for 500 It's like, okay, where'd you get that number from? What's labor? What's materials? But, you know, we were happy enough with that, and so we agreed. And then during the process, ended up getting tacked on another $200. And so end of the whole thing, it just kind of left us thinking like, man, did we just get taken advantage of? Do you typically ask for a breakdown of like their materials and what labor is going to be? How are like the unforeseen circumstances that end up getting extra money tacked on handled? I would just love some insight into this. Thank you so much. I like this question from Alicia because we talk a lot about negotiating. Like we had an episode 63 where Sherry talked about her best tips for negotiating in situations like this. 
But even with all that we've done over the years, we probably would have done the same thing in her situation. Right. I would call us extremely well-versed in contractor shenanigans, and I don't think anything wrong happened. I think it's very normal to get into a project, something pops up when walls are open or when something's being done that is a little bit less straightforward. It might be buying a different part. It might be not being able to use something you thought you could reuse and having to rebuy it or reinforce something. So I think it's very common for things to inch up a little bit. I always suggest that people not embark on a project unless they have an overage. Meaning, if you have $500 to do a project and someone quotes you $500, you gotta wait. And I think for us, we look at big projects and small projects differently. So like her fence project, that's only about $500, I would categorize as a small project. And what we've experienced in a lot of cases like that is like, the person doing the work may just be kind of pulling the number out of thin air. Like they might just be thinking about like, what is it worth to me to take the time to do this? It might not be a very precise breakdown of like an hourly rate and what the materials may cost. You certainly could ask them for that, but you may not always get it. And that may also be a turn off to them accepting it. I'll give the example of actually our pink stove getting repaired. That was a case where we had found like the one guy who was willing to take the job. And he sort of just said like, I think it's going to be about $500. So we were in a situation where like, we couldn't really get another quote from someone else that seemed reasonable to us. We were willing to pay that for the work and the time that he was going to put in. So we were fine with it. We didn't ask for a breakdown of everything. But in cases like the big jobs, like we're doing out in Cape Charles on the beach houses, like that's where I want our contractor, Sean, to give us a little bit more detail about what's going on. Like, I want to make sure that he has thought through all the parts of it and that we have a clear sense of how much each part of the project might cost us. Like, what is electrical? What is plumbing? I think going through the process and asking for a more detailed breakdown of an estimate in that case makes a lot of sense, even just to make sure that the contractor themselves or the handyman or plumber, whomever you are hiring, has thought through the process and also gives you a chance to check and make sure that there isn't a part of the process that's being missed or a material that's being missed or you know some part of the work order you want to make sure it gets done. So I think for us, small jobs, we would do just what Alicia did, but bigger jobs, we would take a bit more time and maybe pry a bit more and ask, what's going into this cost? How did you come to that? And you can ask the question, like, what are some hiccups we might encounter and how would those be billed? Is it just an hourly rate after that? You can make it clear to them that you want to approve any cost before it's incurred so you aren't surprised with anything. Right. That's one thing you can say, like, fine, I agree to 500. But if at any point you think it's going over 500, please talk with me at that point so I'm not surprised when it doubles or something like that. I think that's very reasonable. Most contractors, subcontractors, handymen will do that anyway. Right. And I hope Alicia and her husband don't feel sour about this situation because I think it is pretty typical whether you're a first time home buyer or not. And so I think it's really about finding people that you trust to work with over time so that you can return to them more and more and people who are willing to have an open dialogue with you about what their services cost. And the other question that we received as a follow-up that I actually thought was so interesting, I talked to Sean about it. Like, I was like, I need to ask a contractor and get his take on it. The question basically came from a woman who said she wanted to remain anonymous, but she was wondering why contractors and subcontractors and just people in the home improvement industry are so bad at returning calls, showing up, being on time, just sort of like being reliable. And I was like, dang, that's a zinger. I was like, yeah, shade. But 
I have had the same experience where you're like trying to call someone to fix your HVAC system and you call like eight people out of the phone book and literally maybe one calls you back and that person says they'll be there the next day at 2 p.m. and then they never show up. So it is something I feel like could be a pattern among certain people in the industry, not everyone. Certainly Sean shows up all the time. Well, and we should point out it's also not just the home improvement industry. I think there's a lot of service industries like that where you encounter unreliable people. Not to say there aren't very reliable people out there. Right. But but it is something that you bump into when you do this kind of home improvement stuff. And Sean said the same thing, that it's not just home improvement. Like you could call someone and ask for some records to be sent over from one doctor to another, and that could take 10 phone calls too. Like it's not just in home improvement. But he did say there were a few things that people might not know that are going on behind the scenes, and it was enlightening to me. Like It was a very interesting conversation. He said, number one, you could have a reputation and not even know it. That's literally what he said. It's, Burn. It's reputation. He said, there are certain people who are known in the industry because say you're a roofer, you talk to other roofers, say you're a plumber, you talk to other plumbers. So if you're a homeowner who's famous for getting like 10 quotes but not hiring anyone or like getting someone to drop a really detailed line item estimate but then just like not using them or calling them back, you might actually develop a reputation where when people are like, oh, if this lady named Karen calls and says I'm calling about my deck, don't deal with her. I've already given her four estimates about a deck and she's pulling your leg. And literally people talk in the industry about that. And I thought it was so interesting because you'd think they don't talk to each other, they're competition. But it's more like they warn each other. Like, this person is a complicated homeowner. They have trouble making decisions, yada, yada. So I'm not suggesting at all that the person who submitted this question has a reputation already because it's probably not the case. But it was interesting to hear that there's like sort of this underground network where they're talking to each other. It's like a reverse Angie's list or something. Exactly. Well, I do think that contractors warn each other, like, don't deal with blah, blah, blah. I never got paid. You know, like they look out for each other like that. You know how there's that dating site that's like farmers only? It's like they've got contractors only. (laughs) Farmers Only is the best. I want to interview someone on Farmers Only. Guys, call the podcast number if you've been on Farmers Only. Okay, but number two is probably more likely. And Sean said this is across the board a problem people run into, but it makes sense. It's organization. A lot of people in these industries of craftsmanship and using their hand, they're very artistic. They're very good at problem solving. They're not great secretaries. They're not great with dates, right? Like it's almost like two different brain types you have to have to be really good at being on time, scheduling, staying on top of all the phone numbers, bookkeeping versus someone who could like fix a P-trap and make a beautiful railing for you. I think we've learned even in doing what we do, like there's a difference between like the creative aspect and like the business operational aspect. And that's not the fun part. Like people don't get into that line of work, whether it's plumbing or electrical building because they enjoy bookkeeping. Right, exactly. And so that was Sean's point. He has a woman named Heather who does all of his scheduling, bookkeeping, contacts people when things are backordered. Like she is the bookkeeping part of Sean. But he said, do you know how many people locally don't have a Heather? Meaning they don't have someone who does that for them. And you can see very easily how if you didn't have someone in charge of that, that would just fall by the wayside. You'd be so busy building your beautiful railing, you wouldn't necessarily be calling the other person back who wanted a quote for a railing. Right. And so he was just saying, cut people a little slack, maybe call them again, leave them another voicemail, like give them the benefit of the doubt because they might be phenomenal at what they do, but you might judge them by their phone call abilities. And that's not what you care about. You care about their workmanship. And don't be rude when you call them back because then you'll get a reputation, C.1. Exactly. Well, he also said the third thing that might help someone determine if you're worth 
working with or giving a free estimate. Because, you know, when people are giving free estimates, they're not free for the contractor or the subcontractor or the handyman. They're driving all the way out to you. They're spending time meeting you. And that's for zero dollars. They're just trying to get your business. And so Sean said specifically when he gets a voicemail, he likes to judge if someone's really serious by what they say in the voicemail. So this isn't the reputation thing. This is about trying to figure out how serious the person is about the job. Right. It's like hearing your message and decoding it in his mind and deciding whether you are in fact a good candidate or might be a bad candidate. Oh, okay. And I said, well, give me an example. Like, what do you mean? What could I say that's bad or good while leaving a message? Like, I didn't know I could do that wrong. And he said, when I get a phone call that says, hey, I'd like a quote for a roof. I don't even have to be there. Just drive by. Um, You don't even have to call me. Just email me the quote. He said, over the years of doing it, there is a pattern. And the pattern that emerges is that the person who doesn't want to meet you, doesn't want to lay eyes on you, doesn't want to shake your hand, doesn't want to talk through the process, they might just be looking for like a fourth bid, but it's not the bid they're going to go with. And so now he says, sometimes when he gets voicemails that are like, I don't even need to meet you, just email it to me, he just determines that that's not a good fit and he won't pursue that relationship. Meanwhile, if someone leaves him a message that says like, I've heard so many good things about you, I'd love to meet you and talk it through with you. These are the hours I'm going to be home this week. Please give me a call back. I'm really looking forward to it. That shows that that person is interested in a relationship and actually working with you and wanting to spend their time meeting you. Because when you think about it, it is kind of unfair to say, hey, I want a free estimate and you spend all your time doing this, but I'm not even going to spend a second meeting you. you Yeah, it doesn't sound like a person you really want to work with. And as we've talked about before, how during renovations, having a good relationship between the client and the contractor is so important. So if you can tell from the first phone call that it's not worth getting into that relationship, then maybe you are saving everyone some time. And a little bonus tip that Sean threw out was that you might not actually get a good estimate or a good follow-through service after meeting a contractor. Like say you met them once and asked for an estimate and it just never showed up in your email. Right. He said the reason for that might be that you were not decisive enough or descriptive enough in the job. And it's very, very hard to estimate something when you're standing in a room with someone who's saying like, well, maybe we can do it that way or maybe this way or look at this on Pinterest, but also this. Oh, yeah. So he was like, the more decisive you are and specific you are, the better the chance of a follow-up estimate and an estimate being accurate. So this actually goes back to the other question we got, you know, which is like, how can I keep the price from changing after the quote? The more specific you are about what you want, materials-wise, size-wise, timeline-wise, that can really help contractors or subcontractors or handymen know exactly what you need and give it to you. So it sounds like most of this boils down to that thing we said when we talked to Sean is that you have to remember contractors are also evaluating you as a potential client. And so if you were given off the wrong vibes, then you might not get that call back. And so that's what maybe a lot of us interpret as them being unreliable or unprofessional. Right. But I would say if you've heard from a whole bunch of people that someone's amazing, but they didn't call you right back, give them another call and be really nice about it. I know you're so busy. You're so swamped. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'd really love to work with you. I've heard great things. And that might be all it takes to get them in your house, to get the estimate, to get the project going. And then it's smooth sailing. If any of you guys have a question you want us to answer on a future episode, you can always leave us a voicemail 24-7 at 571-4-YHL-HAP. And actually, what I'm digging this week has to do with phones. But first, we're going to take a quick break. I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared to talk about fall yet. No. 
I mean, our kids are gonna go back to school soon, the leaves are gonna change, the temperature's gonna drop. I mean, it's a lot to be sad about, but one good thing is everybody's introducing their fall collections, which is very exciting for me. You know, like house stuff. And fall doesn't just mean like orange, gold, and bronze. Annie Selkie, who's this week's sponsor, has like all these new things coming out. Over 400 new things. So if you're like, I want this rug, but it doesn't exist. Or I want this pillow, and it doesn't exist. I gotta tell you, there's a good chance it exists now. So you should just check it out. Because again, this isn't just fall colors. There's soft pinks and blues, which I always love. There's tone-on-tone rugs with diamonds, which are my jam. Yeah, well, and the new collection doesn't launch till September 10th. But you guys can get a sneak peek of it by going to AnnieSelke.com slash YHL. And the other cool thing going on is that their Labor Day sale is about to start. So starting on August 29th, running through September 5th, there's going to be 20% off site-wide at AnnieSelke.com slash YHL. So if you're in need of some new furniture, maybe a big rug, some wallpaper, pillows, bedding, all of it is 20% off. And also I should add, if you're hearing this after September 5th, once the Labor Day sale is over, you can always get 15% off using our code YHL15. Again, that's all at A-N-N-I-E-S-E-L-K-E dot com slash Y-H-L. Sherry and I aren't really car people, but coincidentally, both of our diggings this week are car related. So guys, I don't usually do this, but I got suckered into a sponsored Insta store I saw and I ended up buying a product through Instagram. (laughs) It's very unlike me. I don't know how it happened. But as I was watching my Instagram stories, I just saw this ad for something called the magnet mount. It's just one of those phone mounts for your car that like goes into your air vent. And there's a magnet that connects the back of your phone to the mount itself. And I had been thinking about getting some sort of mount for the car so I could put my phone up and be more hands-free and that I could see it when I was navigating and stuff like that. But I hadn't really pulled the trigger on it because most of the ones you see, I feel like, are ones that stick to your windshield and have that like long bendy arm and stuff. Right, and they have like a big suction cup mark that when you take it off the window, the whole window has like a big circle. Right, so I was attracted to the idea of something that just like stuck simply into the air vent, was very low profile. I got it in black. It comes in, I think, gold, silver, and rose gold. Ooh. So it is very kind of subtle and it works really well. There's just like a metal disc that I had to stick onto the back of my phone case for it. But here's the thing where I got suckered because the deal said like 60% off only for the next five minutes. Instead of $49, you can get it for $20. And I was like, oh, I better act now. (laughs) So I bought it. And little did I know that deal happens nonstop. If you go to their (laughs) website right now, you will see that deal and you will see a ticking clock that says it's about to run out. Spoiler alert, it never runs out. Exactly. So not only could you get this exact magnet mount at any moment for this 60% off deal, I also found they sell basically the exact same thing on Amazon for half the price. Right. But we're going to put the link in the show notes to the Amazon one. Buy it from Amazon. Don't get suckered like John. Well, I mean, I haven't used the Amazon one. I can't speak to its quality. Or you could go watch the clock tick down and get very excited and buy the one John got. Yeah. So I do recommend it, but I still feel a little bit swindled by buying it. And what I'm digging this week is also a car thing. Actually, a friend of mine had these and I was like, we need these because there is something about our Toyota Highlander that the phones fall between the seat and the center console like all the time. I don't know if it's because our seats are leather and things are slicker and they just slip right down in there faster. I don't know if it's a slightly wider gap because it's not just losing our phones. We'll drop like a hairbrush. I'll be looking for some notebook the kids need and it's in there. And I'm like, how did it even get in there? With me, it's usually a French fry. 
Right. There's like all sorts of gross food that gets in there and it's like just big enough for the food to fit, but you can't fit your arm in to retrieve it. But then one of my friends had these things and they're called drop stop. Basically what they are is like sort of a black padded thing that you shove into that crack and then things can't fall in it. It's so simple. It matches our seats pretty well because our seats are black. And they're like as seen on TV things when we bought them on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes for you guys. But like essentially any car I have now, I'm going to use these. They clip around the seatbelt so they really hold exactly where they're supposed to. They don't slip down. And like any chicken nugget, french fry phone, hairbrush, other object that I'm about to lose, it just sits on top of it and I can reach it. Yeah, and they're like 20 bucks for a pair. And it's like Sherry was saying, it's like almost if someone stuffed a black sock with some really tight padding or like sand or something like that. It's, it's pretty heavy and dense. And then they cut a slit for your seatbelt to go over. So it creates a like full blockage. Right. Nothing's getting around it. I really like it. I even like when we clean the car because I can vacuum that and know that nothing's under it that I need to get. Like, not only does it help things not fall under there, I feel like it contributes to car freshness because we don't have a weird piece of chicken rotting under the seat anymore. So I couldn't recommend them enough. Although Burger's pretty upset that I'm not dropping french fries anymore because he used to love to go under the seats occasionally and clean up for me. That's Burger's favorite thing to do in the car. Like army crawl under the front seats and eat all the food that we drop. And now there's nothing. Thanks for listening to the summer's last episode of Young House Love Has a Podcast. Yep, we're taking next Monday off for the Labor Day holiday, but we will be back with a new episode on September 10th. So if you need to fill that gap in your Monday next week, maybe check out an old episode or two. And while they're downloading, you could even leave us a rating or review. Just saying. And please keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Maggie on Twitter, who said she listened at work while pumping, since our podcast is apparently more entertaining than the noise of a breast pump. I feel like that should be our new tagline. More More entertaining than than a breast pump. pump. Just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Don't forget to check out this week's show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Yep, I'll put the links to all those smart gadgets in there. And we've got some updated photos of the diamond doors of the duplex. Yes, one of them is installed and it's so beautiful. Later. Bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it could also be Cher because I feel like she's very belty. Like she could be like, do you believe in love after love? You got to really get the back of the throat engaged for that sound. Okay, now Celine. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on your podcast, That's not John a belty Celine. And Sherry, my heart will go on. <laughs> not a very belty song. No, I don't know.